founders. Welcome back to the Zero to 5,000 podcast, where we obsess over the convergence of human potential and business results. Today, our hosts, Drew McClure and Jordan Mitchell, have another insightful conversation for you. So let's jump right in. Founders, welcome back to the podcast. Today, we are joined by Tara and Todd Youngblood, co-founders and CEOs of Cryo Inc., better known as Chili Sleep Systems. Chili Technology LLC is a privately owned, rapidly growing product development company based in Mooresville, North Carolina. The company focuses on mattress heating and cooling systems incorporating patented Chili technology. Their cooling sleep systems help regulate the body's temperature, which results in a better night's sleep. In 2019, their Chili Pad was selected as the best wellness product for powerful moms in business by Forbes. As far as cooling goes, Cryo is hot on the Inc. 5000 and was ranked number 615. Tara and Todd, we are so excited to have you both on the podcast today. Thanks for having us. Yes. Well, we are pumped. We first got to know uh, and hear about you actually before even the Inc. 5000 list through uh, a previous guest on the podcast, Bert Soren from Sorenex. And he was raving about uh, about yeah. your 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 product, and uh, so it worked out well that we also found you on the Inc. Five Thousand list and a natural guest for here on the podcast. Um, so I'd like to just ask you, you know, what we ask every guest to start with, which is what are the series of events that led you guys to doing what you're doing today and where you are today. Yeah, so I guess we're going to start really at the beginning. So Todd and I met on the first day of college. Um, for the first three days, Todd was going to be an engineer, um, but then decided that that really wasn't a good idea. So uh, he yes. went in business. And so sort of that with you, Todd. of uh, business and, and engineering uh, really kind of uh, started us on our path. And then in, in 2000, um, we kind of went on our own and, and we're full entrepreneurial uh, not doing it on the side full time. So it's been 20 years of wow. like, doing stuff together. Um, and Cryo is is one of our businesses we brought. We've brought hundreds of, hundreds of different products to market. Wow. Right. So as Tara and I divide our responsibilities, I like math with numbers and she likes math with letters. So uh, that's, you know, we both like math, but uh, yes. very different varieties. So that's hold awesome. on. So in 2000, that's when you said you, you guys went kind of full in on entrepreneurialism. Mm-hmm. Was that post-college? Were you already was, in a yes. career and then switched? Oh, from- you're so wonderfully complimentary. No, um, that was definitely post-college. Okay. <laughs> we, we're, we're, we, old. We're, we're, we're really old. <laughs> so we spent, uh, spent some time in a couple of different geographic locations. We met in college in St. Louis. We uh, first job was working for my uncle's company in California. He was the inventor of the waterbed. And ran. Oh, no way. Yeah. So uh, fun stories. He actually, at that time when we joined his company, was selling outdoor products uh, to Walmart and REI. They, if you've ever, if you're a camper and if you've ever had a solar heated sun shower, uh, that was his company, the sun shower. Wow. And, uh, and so I, we got to kind of cut our teeth on the entrepreneurial spirit directly with my uncle, uh, despite other kind of upbringing entrepreneurial little things that Tara and I both did or other family members. Yeah. But. So even, even doing stuff in China, we, we joke again, makes us feel really old, but it was exciting to get a fax from China, um, you know, going back yeah. with the manufacturers. So I think Todd's probably been there hundreds of times, uh, like 2 million miles in airplanes yeah. over the years. Of yes. Yeah. 
So we have to describe what a fax is to the audience, you know, oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Isn't that terrible, um, yeah, but yeah, we come through the paper and you had special paper and then you'd kind of circle stuff on it and send it back through the machine yes. and, and wait 24 hours. Peel you know? off the edges. Yeah. Wow. There was, there was no scanners and, and just taking a screenshot of something and sending it over, huh? Yeah. A little different. Yeah. No, Alibaba, you had to find factories in the phone book. Yeah. It was kind of crazy. Wow. So, yeah. It's been a crazy adventure, but we, you know, we worked for a couple other companies and, and basically in 2000, we started our first, our first LLC. Uh, and that actually within the first, uh, I guess, I don't know how long it took us, but we spent that company, that first company we founded uh, T2 uh, spent six years in a row on the Inc. 5000 list itself. Uh, and then we sold that company in 2014. And then wow. really kind of doubled down on Chile that we started in 2007. Okay. Uh, and that became our sole focus. And, and really, that's when we were able to unlock the growth. Yeah. So what, we may be addicted to the whole product development thing. Yeah. 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 That's what, cool. was, what was T2's focus, your first company? So we did, we brought other products to market. A lot of it was sort of facilitating at that point. And again, it's, it's, it sounds archaic now, but a lot of the manufacturers wanted to make their own products. They want to bring, you know, direct to consumers or they, or they didn't want to make just the, you know, one good example is, um, and they're still sort of a consulting client is for foam. They're a big manufacturer of foam and they only supplied the foam to uh, life jacket manufacturers and they wanted to make life jackets or they wanted to find out what other things they could make in the US market and how to go about doing that. And so it was a lot of like bringing, bringing those products to market, how to make them suitable, suitable for the US market, how to find market niches that they could fit into and, and kind of get their um, feet under them. And so that's, that's primarily of what we did to start. Kind awesome. of make enough money to buy our own products and do that. Yeah. As you think back, on those early years of your entrepreneurial adventures, what were the biggest lessons and maybe learning curves for you in that, that, that early years? Gosh. Oh man, we have, we have gone through every possible adventure, disaster, things that tried to kill us, should have killed us <laughs> uh, to just opportunities. So I, I would say it really starts with, you know, entrepreneurs have a, have a unique mind in my opinion. And um, you know, one of the biggest challenges is what things not to work on and what things to prioritize, I think is a, an extremely difficult task for an entrepreneur that sees opportunity at every turn. Mm. And we came up with a scoring system. Uh, it's kind of like a Kaizen scoring, but it's essentially yeah. putting in a multiplier of profitability, effort, and probability. And utilizing that scoring metric was unbelievable in our ability to determine what not to work on because mm. yeah because what not to work on or who not to sell to you know over the years of like that really isn't a good customer for us yeah. um, for, you know and it, it's really easy to Todd's point to kind of get lost in the opportunities and and sort of go down rabbit holes but it's it, you know I think that's one of the the best things we've learned is 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 just to to make sure that you're you're working on the biggest and, and best opportunity and and even if the other ones seem interesting to kind of say no more than you say yes. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, I'm going to just reflect back what I what I heard. The scoring system was around kind of projected profitability, what you imagine it could be, the effort they would take to get the thing done, and then the probability that we would actually think it could succeed. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Yeah, I love that. That's the, awesome. What yeah, that is amazing. The one that seems hard or initially challenging to quantify would be the probability. Mm -hmm. 
Well, it, it feels like it, but you know, when you start thinking about it, if you, a lot of people struggle to actually put math, like put it in math terms, right? Like yeah. how many people are trying to do it? How many people are failing? Like, why is this an opportunity? Is it an opportunity because other people are not doing it well? Is it an opportunity because I don't think anyone else is working on it? Like, and I think yeah. actually spending enough time to, to fully dissect the opportunity I think does give insights on the probability of success mm. because yeah. and the probability is also a factor of how much capital does it take, how much people infrastructure, like there's a factor there. Some of that is effort when it's direct personal effort, but there's, there's multiple, you know, you can get in down into the detail, but there's typically more information available than people typically realize. Wow. And, and we always found a sponsor. So, I mean, now we, we are, you know, uh, Chili Sleep is pretty much predominantly e-commerce, but at that point it was a lot of retailers and we'd always find a sponsor. And so that was sort of also like, okay, uh, based on market tiering, what tier level of, of retailer is this going to fit into? Um, can we get a purchase order before we get it too baked, you know, and kind of evaluate the probability. And once we had a, a sort of sponsor for the product, then we would understand that the probability would change according to that. But Prior to that, it was, you know, we'd kind of rank it much lower. Oh, yeah. that's so good. So I love the thought of like define the opportunity, right? Like just that practice of like, okay, how do, how do I actually figure out what my probability of success is? Well, first I need to define what this opportunity is, work through that. I think that's powerful. I, I have, we even use this, in, you know, in our coaching practice. I'm even trying to make my own correlations thinking about like, oftentimes somebody will be talking about an idea or there's something going on. Maybe there's just a challenge. It's just they're having a challenge doing this new activity or or act, acting in this way because they're afraid of the consequences if they do. And oftentimes we'll talk about the probability of complete failure. And, you know, most times like complete and utter failure is like, you know, 2% in their mind. But when they put it in math terms, it removes the absolutes of yeses or nos or, you know, failing or winning. And then you talk about the probability of success. And that has been a good measurement of like, all right, yeah, you should go for this thing. Like you should try this out. Think about what's the worst that can happen. But most people go, hey, what's the worst that could happen? And it's just like a, an axiom. It's just a phrase, yeah. but right. actually driving somebody into that of like, yeah. what's the probability that the worst actually happens seems to remove the, the risk too. I found that that's helpful for the people who maybe are a little bit more risk averse to get in the game. Yeah, and, try something, which is and cool. I think for people to anticipate like the evolution of the business. So, you know, yeah. we, we'll have a lot of like Friday night conversations with friends or whatever. Like, oh, I got this great idea. I'm going to go do this and I'm going to make money. And, you know, and, and maybe it's something they don't particularly have to do because they, they they have enough, you know, income to support their family, whatever. And, and you know, I'm like, all right, well, let's fast forward. Do so you make this widget and you sell this widget for $2 because I think that's the market value or $10, whatever. And there's no way to get it big enough to sell enough. So now you've taken over your wife's parking spot in the garage and you have crap everywhere. And you just, if you spend every working hour to sell 10,000 of these things, you're going to make 20 grand and you lost your garage and you lost your weekends <laughs> and you've spent all of your waking hours working on it. Is that what you want to do? Like, oh, God, no, that's a terrible idea. You know, it's like <laughs> beginning with the end in mind a little bit of like, this yeah. is where this will take you. Just yeah. so you know. Yeah. 
two decades of experience uh, seems yes. to help inform your conversation too, I bet. <laughs> it does significantly. Yeah. <laughs> it does. That's you fantastic. Know, I, I think we apply that same thing, you know, whether it was um, to move to e-commerce out of retail. So we yeah. did start uh, Chili Technology with selling to retailers and mattress stores, mm-hmm. and it really wasn't a good fit for our product. But that decision of, you know, leap of faith into at that, you know, that point was a, okay, we haven't done that before. Let's, let's do that. Let's look, mm. recognize what the opportunity versus risks are. And, you know, that same sort of approach po- applies. And, you know, we, we did a fundraise this year and, and sort of, is this the right time? What kind of fundraising do we want to do? How do we move through that? Again, sort of, you know, where do we want to get to? And to Todd's point that the, the end game is a really important part of what do you hope you want this to look like? Yeah, that's so cool. Our last, our last interview yesterday, the the gentleman was talking about making sure you've asked yourself what does success look like for you and that sometimes we don't even stop to ask like are we even clear on what success would look like because people have different definitions of success Mm -hmm. some want as big as possible and they love the idea and even the reality of big other people want something smaller with higher profit margins and a lifestyle that goes with it right Mm -hmm. um and then other times it's even realizing like man just because this would work doesn't mean it's profitable. Like you're talking about earlier, right? Like we got to kind of play out future scenarios and, and have some conversation around that. Um, I'm curious as well on that emotional side. Some of that's emotional. We always talk about an experience in the entrepreneurial journey, starting any business, the roller coaster, right? This like, yeah, this is going to work. This is not going to work. Oh my God, we're dead. We're not dead. It's working. Right. How, how did you guys, are there any lessons you learned about maybe emotionally um, experiencing and surviving the ride of, of the roller coaster? Yeah, you know, we subscribe a lot to this idea of grit and, you know, what is what are we prepared to do and, and, and put on the line? And I think, you know, we had a pivotal moment of that in in this current business of, you know, things weren't going well, we didn't know how we were going to pay our bills and our manufacturer. And we were kind of at a spot where we needed more product, um, but we really couldn't afford to buy it. And we needed to find our way out. And it was really was that sort of kitchen table moment of, okay, are we going to, we're going to get off the roller coaster? Are we going to sort of throw in the towel or or what are we going to do? And, you know, a combination of grit and, and relationship really is what got us through that. So we, mm. we literally like um, put ourselves in the shoes of the factory of like, well, they, they don't really want us to go away. We still owe them money. So if we were to disappear, like that's not really the best solution for them either. Um, but what, what do they need to survive? What do we need to survive? And so for, we made a, an, a deal for 18 months where we paid them everything we had in our bank account at the end of the week. And we had to start over every week and start wow. you know, making enough and, and the commitment and the sort of trust that was created through that relationship was was phenomenal and we were able to work our way out of it but that grit to say okay well every monday morning i start back at zero and i've got to i've got to sell it i've got to get through it um you know that's where the roller coaster you can either just be on a ride and you just ride it or you take it a moment and you say this is not a roller coaster i have to be on i'm mm. going to take control and decide what are the levers and when when are the hills going to be hills mm. God, that's so good. 
Um, man, I'm just curious at how you guys have even ridden that out together. You know, the strain and the stress that that can, that can put on, on a business partnership like Jordan and I as friends, but even more so as husband and wife, like, you know, I would say that uh, we're, we both can tolerate extreme high, extreme amounts of chaos, uh, which helps. We have four boys. So our kids range between 12 and 22. Okay. So despite running four businesses together and being entrepreneurs in the same space and being dependent on our entrepreneurial income for 20 years, and we have literally gone through just about everything you can imagine. We lost a child in, uh, you know, 2008. We kind of, so we've gone through grief and loss on a personal level. And we've been sued over patents. Um, yeah, like all, all the, all again, back to where we started of like, you you know, it really does feel like, um, the pandemic was new this year. So that was a new, like we hadn't done that one before, but you know, (laughs) other than that, it really feels like we've, we've been through a lot. And I think, um, you know, we, we go back to, you know, we set a framework for conversations and I think it's, it's valuable in any relationship you have, you know, that we've set early on rules like 51%. Um, so we, you know, we're co-owners, but there's a, there's definitely issues like this is my 51% issue and I am mm. voting with 51% on this. And we, we use that card, you know, lightly and say, okay, no, this is, this is something I really believe in. We need to do this. And I think that because we both sort of respect that space, of like, nope, that's your 51 one, no problem. I, that's not for me. Um, and so that, you know, I'm willing to take 49% and you can own the 51 on this one and, and get that vote. Um, so we have sort of created some of those framework things of, you know, what is important to you and when is important for me to back down? When is, you know, how do we create those rules? So it's, there's, there's, a reasonable place for us to find compromise. And that 51% thing, like the essence of it is it's really quick to find different, a difference of opinion. I, I believe this. Well, I believe this. Like we don't agree. Never have we been in a spot where, well, I agree strongly. And then it's like, okay, well, I don't care that much. I mean, I have a different opinion, but I don't really care about my opinion. So go, yeah. go for it. And like, it's really interesting if you stay on like, do we agree or not? That is totally not the principal matter. The principal matter is like, do you agree strongly with your position? Is it really, really a big deal? Or like, I just have a random opinion and my random opinion is different than yours. And wow. so to work through that has been like, has like been amazing for us. And I think we even, we use it on a personal level as well. And it gets us out of that kind of harm's way of constant friction. God, that is so good. What a, what a unique tiebreaker, right? That, that, like you said, we could be focusing on whether we agree or not, but not even getting to the deeper issue or, maybe even the deeper instinct, like the person probably feels stronger, mm-hmm. might actually have an edge on on the right idea because they're more invested or they've thought more about it or they care right. more about it. Mm-hmm. I have never heard that before. I have a feeling you guys have a lot of things like this that are pretty brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> we, we do. We have a lot of like little random things that we've worked on. You know, I think uh, we also, so we spent a lot of time in sleep and, you know, Tara's research around sleep has been all about understanding your chronotype about like what time of day you do certain things to be your most productive and to be your best self. And it has to do with in general, people associate it with diet and fitness and that, but there's also a, a pattern of thought that comes with that. And like, I'm a night owl. So for me, I want to work till midnight and I could drink, you know, 
uh, coffee or espressos until 2 a.m. be asleep at 2.05. Like, it just doesn't bother me. It doesn't, mm. doesn't affect my, you know, my chronotype being a, a night owl. Like, it's just not a big deal. Um, so, but with that, I want to work through my issues before I go to bed. And so we had to come up with a rule, like after eight o'clock, we can't really talk about deep business issues because I wanted to get off my chest. It makes me feel better. Tara's going to think about it all night long. And yeah, the so first he, thing in the morning, she wakes up. Okay. I'm not sure we can make payroll. And then I'm like, oh, crap. Oh. <laughs> all right. So then I spend all night, like working through, like how we're going to solve this. And then, you know, sure enough, six o'clock in the morning, I'm like, all right, you slept. Six o'clock. Way, now I fixed it, and he's like, "I'm, like, not, whoa, I'm whoa. not ready to solve the whole world's problems yet." Stop. Like, you know, give me till eight. You know, I need, yeah. I need to like wake up and like walk around a little bit, and you know, get a cup of coffee, and then we could talk. You know, so wow. you know, kind of like we have kind of like an eight to eight rule of like, you know, <laughs> we're gonna try to have a little timeout zone. Otherwise, there's no like, there takes a lot of fun out of it. And yeah, understanding how we each other work and respecting that space has been like magical of us. It's like, it's like business, business intermittent fasting. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's right. We are not going to digest any business stuff from eight. No, no, no. <laughs> That's uh, awesome. Well, Tara, I know from what I've heard that you, you have a story personally around your sleep journey that, that even led to what you guys are doing with chili pad. I would love just to hear, hear a little bit about that. If you, if you would. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, Todd sort of mentioned it, um, that r really right about the time we were coming out with ChiliPad, and we came up with ChiliPad, again, as a market evolution, um, thermostat control, microclimate control, and seats was coming out in your car. And so it made sense to be able to each have a remote for your bed as well as your TV or, or be able to adjust it in your car. Um, but then um, when we lost our son, Benjamin, very suddenly, um, my sleep disappeared. You know, there was business issues and life issues and, and I just didn't sleep at all. So, you mm. know, I, for, for over a year, it was, it was really, you know, and I, I think um, the one thing I've found about sleep and, and really mental health is that, you know, it's, it's something that just disappears. And in, in my TEDx talk, I, talk about the fact that if you were drunk driving, um, someone would stop you, you know, the police would pull you over, someone would call you up and say, oh my gosh, you have to stop and there'd be an intervention. Um, if you don't sleep for a year and you've got depression issues, people will kind of actually avoid you almost rather than, huh. than engage in it. They're like, ooh, that's a big issue. I don't want to get into it. And so it really becomes this very lonely spot of insomnia. And so for me, it was digging my way out. Um, you know, again, that sort of research physicist background was like, okay. And it was an epiphany of being at a trade show. It felt very insincere to be saying, we can fix your sleep. You know, this is amazing. And and I, I wasn't fixing my sleep. I was being very hypocritical about it. And I'm like, mm. I can't do that. I, I'm, that's not how I sell stuff. I sell stuff because yeah. it works for me. And so, you know, the epiphany over the last, you know, uh, I guess 10 years since is, is really how do we make sure that sleep does make sense for people? Um, you know, our mm -hmm. product can, and can work for a lot of people. It can make it really easy for a lot of people, but sleep itself is very complicated and it really has to be about an N equals one. And so that's sort of, um, you know, leads into the app development. How do we, how do we engage with people on a more personal basis? Um, and at night when you're by yourself, all of us have our cell phones with us these days. And so that's where sort of the push towards, you know, um, the app and, and, a, and a really different conversation about sleep has, has come around to make sure wow. that we can reach people where they are. So what were, what were some of the steps of you going from basically a sleepless year 
to starting to work your way. I'm sure it was a, a little progression, but like working your way back towards sleep being a part of your life and, and, and rejuvenating and that kind of stuff. What were some of the things you started to apply that, that walked you yeah, back in that so direction? I am a, a crazy researcher. So, uh, you know, I went down a lot of different paths to try to figure out, um, you know, so everything from, you know, so neuroscience has a, s- a specific approach on how it looks at sleep. Psychology has a specific look on how it, it deals with sleep. Um, when you look at traditional Chinese medicine and some of the, you know, Eastern medicine practices, they look at sleep and in even supplements and, and acupuncture as a whole different way of treating it. Um, mm. and, and, and each of those has different places and, and places that it can help. And so for me, it was really trying to digest as much as I could about sort of this topic of sleep. And the, the real epiphany was that there really wasn't, although there's sleep research, the first article that ever tied sleep to lack of sleep to a health outcome was in 1999. And so prior to that, you know, we, wow, you know, the, the whole, like, I'll sleep when I'm dead, you know, that entrepreneurial, like you work, 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 sleep doesn't matter, you know, sort of destroy yourself was all part of that. And so for me, it was a lot about carving that back of like, okay, um, to Todd's point of like, we need to have a place where sleep still happens. And when you start carving back sleep and you make sure you're managing stress, the real epiphany is you actually are so much better at what you do. It Mm. it sounds like a very simple recipe of like, you know, can you respect sleep enough? Can you respect yourself enough to make sure that you're managing your stress and you're managing your wellness? Um, Because we were both, um, you know, myself, I can speak for me, but we were both headed towards a a pretty, you know, you know, all those bad things you hear about of heart attacks and stress and and all of those kind of things. Yeah. Step back of like, we still work really, really hard, but there's rules about how we treat ourselves and our bodies as, as part of that, because we can't just kind of go on abusing yourself and and hope it all works out in the end. Cause for a lot of people, it doesn't. Wow. You know, I thought was so interesting. Um, years ago, it's probably six, seven years ago, I realized my physical health and mental health and all that kind of stuff was something that I'd been overlooking and, and really had a lot of reasons to kind of lean into it. And I, I started connecting with a friend who's a functional neurologist. And I was so surprised when he said, you know, man, if push came to shove and you only gave me one thing, any person only gave me one thing to have them work on before, I, before water, before exercise, before food, I would actually tell them sleep. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? Like that makes the top of your list. And he began similar to you, just instructing me, like telling me all the things that kick on in your system. He calls it the night crew. He's like, you have the daytime shift and you have the night shift. And he's like, you're not giving the night shift time to do his job. And here's all the things that it does. Right. And I, that's still to this day. It's, it's, I'll be honest. It's still something I'm okay at. Yeah, I'm not fantastic right. at. I'm okay at, you know, I'm not doing three hours a night, but I don't wake up feeling rejuvenated and you know, that kind of thing. So uh, it's interesting. We're having this conversation. Yeah, no, it is. It, sleep is just so underserved when it comes to that is just the the power that it has to, you know, and I, I do I love the the Snickers commercial where you know, you're not yourself when you're, you're hungry. But yeah. oh, at yeah. that same point, you know, when you're when you're not sleeping, um, the, the, the comorbidity between mental health and lack of sleep, and, you know, that sort of mm-hmm. cycle that you can get into is is terrible. And, it, and even if you look at it as a future state, because I do see as sleep, 
sleep is the ultimate retirement plan to that point that if you're not doing the maintenance at night, how fast would your building, if you never cleaned it and you never did yep. any maintenance work on it, um, how fast would that building degrade, right? Even if it was right, yeah. for 50 years, it's not going to make it 50 years if you never take care of it. Um, and your brain is, is very much uh, a service to this sleep. And so it gets washed every night. The plaque comes out. They're tying it down to Alzheimer's and cognitive loss. And I think, you know, anybody that sort of values their intellectual self and, you know, entrepreneurs, I think yeah. too, you know, the investment in making sure that you're just as sharp today as you were, you know, and you want to be 30 years from now is, is to me the most valuable thing to invest in, you know, wow. beyond what that financial picture looks like, you know, you can be pretty poor and still have your wits about you and be able to enjoy mm -hmm. grandkids and life, you know, that you don't need that, that financial piece as much as you need your wits. You can't do much yeah. if you don't have your wits about you. Yeah. And I think, you know, the reflection on that for me, and then I was the guy that was like, well, sleeping, I'm dead. And, you know, mm -hmm. if I was on an airplane every single week, I was fine, you know, whether it's to China or across the country or wherever it was, literally I was gone every, every other week for, for, you know, a decade. And I, I can tell you now, and part of it is you, when you get a little bit older, maybe when sleep becomes, maybe you, you can't take it for granted as much or you start connecting the dots. But I would say for people in your community, anyone that's struggling to solve a problem and they're just beating themselves, you know, about they're beating their head, they're beating themselves up about yeah. not solving their issues. If they were to take two days and they just work on recovery and sleep and rest, mm -hmm. When they go back at that problem, I can almost guarantee that they're going to get significant evolution because they're going to give their brain a rest, get to take a break. And it's kind of like Tesla and the, the steel balls, right? Edison. They, yeah, Edison. Edison. So actually, it, the fun part is your brain is designed to do that. Um, and it, there's something called hypagogic sleep. That mm. is uh, Edison. If you Google it, Edison, Van Gogh, a lot of sort of creative problem solvers uh, throughout yeah. the years have kind of utilized this. In the first five minutes of sleep, there's something special that happens and it's it's like the matrix you your brain disconnects from all of the rules and, and requirements. And so the, mm -hmm. the conscious mind is totally disengaged. So this is where you can fly like Superman. Uh, you can, yeah. you know, do all those things. And so when you think about it in terms of problem solving, it's the ultimate like blue sky thinking opportunity. Um, but that that kind of state of sleep only happens when you're resting well and your body mm -hmm. isn't like, if you fall asleep within the first two minutes and your latency is like, I'm just gonna crash. Your body is then so focused on just barely recovery. making, you know, the yeah, recovery yeah. happen. And you don't get to really enjoy the, the, the balance that comes with, with solving problems while you sleep. Sleeping on it, that phrase of like, I think I'll sleep on it and I'll let yeah. you know. Is, is really a real thing. Like our, our brains evolved to be able to reflect on what happened during the day. Like I saw that lion at the water hole. Should I go back to the water hole or do I need to come up with another plan? Yeah. That whole evolutionary part of how memories are stored and sorted over a two week period is really important. And if you're not sleeping yeah. enough, it just doesn't happen the same way. So there's, there's a powerful element of just how humans work that if you sleep, you, you, you're just better at solving problems. Yeah. Yeah. So what did Edison do with the steel balls? Oh, so he would, uh, <laughs> he was really stuck on a problem and you can Google it. There's pictures, black and white pictures of him holding these balls. He would yeah. lay on his workbench and he would go to sleep. 
Um, and then when the, you know, when you relax at the really about the end of hypergogic sleep is when you totally relax. It's really just a very small window. And so when your body starts to go into that paralysis and relax, the balls would hit the floor and he would wake up. And so he would work on, he, he loved that cycle so much that he would actually force it and utilize that, that cycle over and over again to solve a problem. God, that is so neat. I I knew that story vaguely. You know, I knew uh-huh. that story. I couldn't remember who it was, but that is that is fascinating. It is. We talk a ton about recovery. We've talked about recovery even a bit on this this podcast a lot. But the sleep equation, of course, we're, we've just talked about the importance of it. It's something that we certainly attest to because the people that, w- that we work with and all the people that we're interviewing here, like they don't even really believe that stress is their enemy. And, and we don't want them to think stress is their enemy. Some people are will have the conversation like they're trying to eliminate all stress from their life. And for the most, for the most part, like the people we're attracted to are the people who are like, no, we like, we want stress. Like we want to, yeah, actually uh, I have uh, probably because I have kids, I have a a great scenario to think about with stress is that actually stress, the cortisol stress hormone Mm -hmm. is something that helps you wake up in the morning. And, uh, you know, as as, as that's released, that is, you know, we, we now fake it oftentimes with caffeine or, or those sort of things, but that naturally happens. And so we get this burst in yeah. the morning and, and when we work out, we get these bursts and there's a healthy part of stress, yes. what we do. Um, mm-hmm. But if you think about it in terms of, um, again, this is going to be because I have four boys, um, but you know, it's a happy little stress monster in the morning and it's friendly. Yeah. It's a friendly monster. It's your Sesame street Grover monster. It's not, you yes. know, it's Elmo and, and friendly, but if you don't manage it throughout the day and that's where the levels of stress of like, you don't want to illuminate it because it, it makes you very productive. And especially throughout your morning yeah. to keep, keep a minimum level of stress, you're going to turn better. You're going to produce, you know, produce more things. But if you, that at any point turns into this big, ugly thing um, and you're yeah. not taking the breaks, if it if if it gets bad, take a walk, walk around the building. Todd does mm-hmm. that a fair amount. Like, Ooh, take a walk, yep. walk, come back and take a walk, because then it's gotten too big and it's gotten unfriendly. And certainly, mm-hmm. you know, when you look at the sleep part, if by the time you get to bed, those problems, that stress is really huge, then it's this really big, ugly thing that you're trying to go to bed with, and yeah. that you can't sleep very well. And the, and your body is designed to cycle through that on a daily basis. Yeah. But if we if we've increased the level to this big mountain, we've made a mountain that are our body can't recover from and it'll take multiple days then to get past it and so it is yeah. about keeping that level at a steady level and as it really isn't about making it going away it's about management yep yeah yeah out of, out of the book peak performance these guys were performance coaches uh, with athletes they their their equation was stress plus recovery equals growth mm-hmm. so it's like we don't need to do away with stress but we do need to add recovery to it so if we're in these regular rhythms of stress and recovery It'd be like stressing your muscles mm-hmm. out and then giving them the opportunity to, to recover. Yeah. Yep. You're going to Inter- get intermittent fasting, intermittent stress, intermittent yeah. <laughs> work yeah. conversations. Yeah. It, our bodies are designed to have those 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 breaks rhythm. built in, and there's yeah. a rhythm to it. Um, and it is, I think that's that's more about respecting that rhythm than than eliminating it or ignoring it. It really yeah. is understanding that it's yeah. there and and how it works. Yeah, that's what I was going to be curious. So a mentor of mine. Kind of taught us, and it's something that we've even tried to encourage our team on, is the intentional break. Is like, okay, the we're gonna have. We we talk a little bit about our focus time. The principle is called 60, 60, 30. Mm-hmm. So work for sixty minutes. What's that one task that's most important in your role that you've got to do? That's your highest dollar per hour activity. Take sixty minutes to specifically focus on that, 
And then your next 60 minutes on whatever that number two thing is right behind it. Like that's the next one. Yeah, Do we that. call it big rocks. Um, yes. You know, rocks, you, like, you yeah, know, the, US. Put the sand, yeah, with the sand in first, it, it never works. Yes. So yeah, uh-huh. we, we very similar big rocks. Yeah. yeah. And then the the piece that's like easy to like the 60-60 gets lots of attention, but the 30 minutes is equally as important in terms of us going, hey, team, like this is important to us. This isn't actually something that like you go take a break and now you can just flip through your social media. It's like, I want to know how you're breaking. Are you yeah. going on the walk to, to let movement kind of restore you? Are you actually going down and taking the 20 minute nap? Are you, you know, and there's lots of different ways to, to kind of work through the break, but being just as intentional about that and at least doing that a couple of times in the day, we found that we, we think that needs to be as important to make sure that we're encouraging with our team, the, rec- the recovery principles, because most yeah. organizations are encouraging the recovery principles and you go, you know what, for people where uh, intellectual brilliance is like necessary for them to succeed, which is pretty much our, our business. Like every time we are doing our service, that means we're showing up in front of somebody and we have to be, you know, on top of our Sharp. mental game. Yeah. yeah. Like, Hey, we, we've got to have this as a principle of like always restoring that very important piece called the brain. I'd be curious. So the, the mentor taught about ultradian rhythms. Yep. And I was, I was interested in just your thoughts on those from what I could see. I'm like, I don't know if it's real or not real, but it does seem like my body's going through high energy cycles and low energy cycles throughout the day, which is ultimately, I think the point. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Todd mentioned chronotype and we forget that our, our body isn't trained to a clock there. Like you can talk about peak intellectual part, you can, but those cycles, whether it's body temperature, pressure every single one of your systems does cycle through like we're 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 glorified machines really in in a lot of ways and and any machine is going to go through cycles um and and we do the same thing you know i think um the one thing you know i work with uh some professional athletes on it and you know the hard part about being young and 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 indestructible is that it's it's hard to always like convince them on what healthy habits are worth taking time for um and, and one of the things we talk about is that interval doesn't have to be very long you know even studies have shown of just breathing for 60 seconds is enough and um you know bj fogg is really great if you haven't read his tiny habits book but yes um, he's out of stanford and when we want to make a habit, we want to entrain it to something. And so I feel like one of my best tips ever is if you go to the bathroom, you know, we're joking about Todd taking a yeah. bio break before he came in today, but when you're, you, you have to do that, your body's not going to let you not do that. That's uh, yep. I have to stop. And instead of taking, you know, the time you take, take an extra 60 seconds, like just breathe in front of the mirrors, you're washing your hands, however you need to do it. But that 60 seconds really does do an amazing spot. Like 60 seconds of breathing can wash that cortisol, go back to that stress meter. That'll actually wash it out of the bloodstream. Like they'll actually show 60 seconds of it's high here and 60 seconds will drop it. HRV is another measurement of stress. Um, Just breathing for a minute. The the Mm. impact of those intervals doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be something that feels like an overwhelming task to add just add them small to start and then you're going to find yourself craving more of those and then you may lead to a 20 minute nap but even a 20 minute nap may sound like a lot to start with just yeah. breathe for 60 seconds just breathe really well any, yeah. any wow. google any breathing technique they're all you know whichever one works yeah and yep. bj's bj's tr- trick is to tie it to something you're already doing 
So don't let it stand on an island is one more gosh darn thing on your to-do list that you're going to fail at because it's you're trying to just remember. Don't like don't try to remember it. Tie it to something you already have to do or already doing in your life. And whether it's commute time, whether it's you know, pre-dinner, whatever it is, but tie it to something you're doing and and that gives it an anchor. Mm. Yeah. Bathroom habits. Yeah, and and, and have it be small. Yes. Keep it small. Keep it small yeah. to start. Like let it, let it build. And I think, you know, as we talked about some of those other business things, it's really easy. You know, the end in mind is really awesome, but we, we don't yeah. start out as a billion dollar company on the first day. You, you, yeah. you got to take those steps. You got to do the, the diligence and, and recovery is, is got to be part of those small steps that we take to, to get to that final game. That's so good. Well, I want to ask quickly uh, about, something you know more specific to sleep i would love to hear are there any routines or things that you guys use that that have helped you with your sleep and then i and then secondly and more specifically i want to know where chili pad technology comes in teach us about that like how that aids in the sleep and why people are loving this product so much yeah. So uh, my first sort of call out is I'm a big believer in N equals one, you know, Todd's caffeine comment was the first thing I'm very sensitive to, to caffeine. Like if I'm having it late in the day, I'll be, I'll be wired. Todd can have a pot of coffee. And so the sleep tips, you know, it gets very tricky quickly of what works for me, won't work for you. And so the encouragement is in this day of AB testing, we, we, we AB test everything is like, that's just a, a common thing. We do it on our website. We need to AB test for ourselves. And so that is like, whatever's not working for you in sleep, whatever's not working for you in your health, the, the real routine that you need to figure out is, is what works for me was, yeah. was this successful and, and, you know, either journaling or whatever that works for like for you of like, oh, I tried this, you know what? It didn't work. I'm going to try something else and yeah. get to a spot where you get um, to a recipe and you say that recipe, this is what makes me feel really good because you can always mm-hmm. go back and you can cheat on a recipe but then you're like, nope, I'm now I'm feeling kind of crappy. I go back to my recipe. And, and yeah. so that core set of what you do to make you feel good, that is your sense of this is what this is what I need to do. Once you're armed with that, then you can cheat and you can fly on an airplane or get Very jet cool. lag or do all the things that happen in our lives. But then you have something to go back to where like, okay, well, I know what I need, need to do to make it work. And so Gosh. that's kind of not an easy, like, here's top 10 things, go and do it. Um, but that's yeah. really, really what you need to do for yourself. And as soon as we treat wellness, whether it's diet or fitness as what works for you, not what works for my neighbor or someone else, um, we'll do way further ahead. Um, yeah. But as far as uh, chili pad, the magical part that we've discovered with temperature and sleep is that it talks to your unconscious mind. And so it really activates your hypothalamus, which is involuntary. It's your breathing and heartbeat and all that kind of stuff. And so when you're sleeping, you kind of want something that's going to talk to your body without you having to be conscious as part of it. And mm. so the science of what we found is that, um, and Clifford Sapier out of Harvard was the first person to coin it as a sleep switch. Um, but that switch is thrown by a change of temperature. Um, and in our mm-hmm. lives today, everything is comfortable and consistent. You know, we're not sitting around a campfire as it gets colder and colder and that's triggering us to to go to sleep um we don't have that now and so really what chili pad does is it allows you to manipulate your temperature at night um and be able to do it when you're unconscious so it's it's an easy hack uh, basically because you're you know of all the things that you're going to do and you know i think that's one of my 
favorite quotes that we have about it. It's it's just easy. You set this up and it helps you sleep better because your your body is responding to the temperature. So no matter what temperature you sleep at, it's going to enhance your sleep cycles because deep sleep definitely likes it colder and REM sleep likes it warmer. And you're able to you know walk through those various times of the night um, and, and improve your sleep. Wow. So it's is it kind of automatically setting to you and adjusting throughout the night, changing temperature? It, you, have to, you have to program it like a thermostat, but the, okay. the app can walk you through a little bit of like, how do I, how do I do that? And how do I figure that out? Cause again, my bedtime temperature, I need to warm up. I use a, a weighted blanket and, you know, again, it goes into some of that anxiety of I'm using the weighted blanket to release serotonin and, and, and that whole bedtime is much more about nesting and we think mm. nesting and like, but it's, it's about what feels good. And it goes back to, how you were tucked in as a little kid, even like, you know, do you want warm snuggly? Do you want lots of blankets? Um, you know, it, it, that's going to be much more of a factor for when you go to sleep. Cause again, your conscious mind is driven by whether that feels cool or whether that feels warm. Um, mm. And that's sort of a decision point of how do you set it then? But then once you're asleep, you want to cool it down from there. Cause your body core temperature is going to drop two degrees in the middle of the night. Um, and so that pathway down, you have to facilitate it. And again, our modern lives, with memory foam and all that foam that feels really comfortable, absorbs heat and reflects it back. And so it's not allowing our bodies to cool down like we're supposed to. So really we act, uh, and, and even the tubing, it's it's a radiator for your body. So I like to think yeah. of ourselves as, as Ferraris. And again, that Ferrari has to cycle through and be taken care of, um, but that engine is gonna be hot. It's gonna need to be uh, maintained as it's running yeah. and as it's working through its maintenance programs. One of the things it needs to do is, is to get cooler in the first half of the night and and that's what facilitates it is the chili pad yeah I, I love that i do love formula one a good bit we talked about nascar earlier i do love formula <laughs> one and just that incredible technology how much is built to keep that thing cool you know it how, is the thermal dynamics it's it everything it's no joke. Uh, and again, we could do a whole series on entropy and, you know, the impact of heat and time together. And that's really how yeah. we tell the age of the universe. Uh, you know, we could go down a big rabbit hole on that one, but yeah. we don't tell the age of the universe in time. We tell it in heat and time. And so when we think about the impact of our bodies, not being able to cycle through at a constant temperature, never allowing cold cycling, it's a, it's a case for cryotherapy and uh, the Winhoff method and all all of those sort yeah. of things is to make sure that again being uncomfortable as an entrepreneur we learn that that that's what makes us grow that uncomfortable part is what pushes us and we've in our society we've embraced the comfort to an extent that our bodies still need those cycles it needs intermittent everything including temperature yeah i think even covid has kind of challenged us to like how do we handle adversity in our lives like there's so many yes. things out of control and you know it's been a mental health crisis for so many people and i think that the, the compounding effect is we're so used to dealing with what the variables that we can kind of get our arms around or our minds around but then when some new variable is thrown at us that's outside our control it has to do with like just being able to manage those those control agents man that yeah. is so good yeah i've thought about that a few times while we've been talking like this is the right season for people to pay to be paying attention to this. Like yeah. mm -hmm. the stress on you, whether it's mental, emotional, I mean, lots of people are having to do much more work now. Yeah. It's, 
you know, it's, it's that kind of time where you're going, all right, you got to do all the recovery things to make sure that you're actually ready. Yeah, to it, immune system. I mean, the, the, you talk about vaccines or immune system it, with, with a good night's sleep, the efficacy of vaccine goes up cons- considerably. Yeah. It's not a small measurement. I mean, your, your immune system, you know, loves to have recovery um, because yeah. it's a stress factor. You figure it is part of that stress equation, your immune system. Mm-hmm. And so if it never cycles, if it's only ever amped, and it doesn't ever cycle, it can't be ready for the next thing it needs to tackle. And so it, yeah. it needs those breaks. It needs those cycles. And, you know, we know the entrepreneurial community is probably the thing we're best at of all things is figuring out what rules to break. And back to Tara's like approach to sleep, like you need to figure out what rules to break, but then what personal rules you need to follow. And like, for me, it's like recovery on the weekends and like taking naps, like I'm, I'm the king of an eight minute power nap, literally after lunch, I get that, that post-launch slump and I'm like, Oh yeah. I'll lay on my couch for like eight minutes and like, bingo, I'm good to go. Like I, but I had to like try some things because I couldn't not be effective for an hour a day until I kind of got through that post-launch, you know, slump, but it's like, but I can work till 2 a.m. or I can work like really late hours or not sleep as much during the week and then recover on the weekends to so sleep in or go to bed early or take a longer nap or figure out that plan. So that's what, like I had to figure out that's a rule that was kind of would kick my ass in the end if I didn't respect it. And, and that's not something I can do. I, I don't do naps well. So, it, it, you know, I think and for me, it, that's where that sort of eight to eight is way more important of, of how I manage that. But that's about sort of learning to understand yourself. And even when like to down to like Todd has to have a couch in his office, he just does for that reason. Mm, like, you know, yeah. it's, it's really easy to kind of uh, belittle it, but just manage your life so that the, the hacks that you have are surrounding you and they make it easy. You know, if there wasn't a couch there, you'd have to go figure it out or go in his car. And he's, that's kind of weird. You're not going to do that. But it, if there's a couch there, you're like, okay, that's what I do. I need, I need to do that. And so yeah. plan, plan for that recipe and make it easy for yourself. Hmm. Man, I love that. I love knowing it's, I've started to do the same thing where I will get this like, I'll cuddle with my kids for a minute before dinner time or something like that. Right. And I'll get this like heavy hit of like tiredness. And if I actually give into it, mm-hmm. same thing for like six minutes, I won't even know it's and I'll be up and I'll be ready for the rest of dinner time, bath time, all that kind of stuff. But if you fight yeah. it, I'm mm-hmm. kind of dragging the whole sure. rest sure. of that time. You know, it, and that's kind of like your meditation. I mean, for me, it's my meditation. For me, that's my like, just yep. brain dump, you know, reset, emotional yeah. reset. Yeah, it's great. Well, I've it's done the same great. thing now in the middle of the day. I've got to figure out the nap part because if I give in too much, like a real nap, I'm gone. Yeah. yeah. Now but, sleep again. It's sleep number yeah. two. <laughs> yeah, it's sleep number two. But if I if I just get stimulus free for 20 minutes, mm-hmm. like no music, I used to do music or something like no music, no nothing. And I'm not actually trying to fall asleep, even though I'll get close to it. I wake up feeling or I, I get up from that 20 minutes feeling yeah. amazing. It was like my brain got to just relax for a yeah. second. It is. It's, it's the on-off cycling. It, it's 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 magical. To yeah, keeping us sharp. Man, yeah. it's so good. Uh, this has been an incredible conversation. Uh, we're going to move to the lightning round. Uh, let's get into the lightning round. I got five questions for you. You both can answer. Okay. Um, you're you're welcome to leverage the fifty one percent if you need to. Uh, if you feel like somebody's <laughs> answer is more important than the other. Um, but yeah, here we go. Question number one. Uh, if you could ingrain one message into your entire organization, uh, what would it be? 
I go with with teamwork. Um, you know, we as we work through the hardest parts of what we do, um, that no one works in a silo, and that we share our zone of genius. Yeah, yeah, like that. Todd, what do you think? You know, I'm I'm going to go with that answer. I don't have a yeah. better one, so I'm going to stick with that one. Yes, I like it. Uh, let's see. Number two, what's the single best advice you've gotten about growing your business? take that one or you want i mean i guess there's there's so many we're very situational advice because it's yep. it's really it all has to do with the timeline how you apply it so i think there's a combination of know your why that's gotten us through a lot of stuff when you get to a deeper meaning of what what you do it just changes everything it gets you through those really difficult parts where I, we would quit. We, you know, we could have considered quitting when it, when it wasn't about us. And when we knew our deeper why that got us through, that got me through a lot of things that, that I'm not sure I would have gotten through otherwise. I yeah. think to add on to that, I would say relationships don't burn anything. It's really easy when things have gone sour, whatever that is to say, I'm done. I, I like, and say all the nasty things, but to have the poise to know that that relationship may come around at some point and you, you may need it. So no one operates in a bubble and manage your relationships always. Yeah. Boom. Uh, what causes you the most worry leading your organization? You know, honestly, most of it right now is is letting down my team. For me, you know, I'm the focus on the vision and the long term game plan, and I've 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 promised them a great ride. And and uh, the biggest stress is if that that roller coaster ride that we're on isn't isn't amazing. If I haven't designed it the right way of letting them down, that's that's probably my biggest worry. I would say for me, it's probably not being able to evolve fast enough. I mean, we've got. This is the first time ever, you know, as we've, I think we have what, 75 employees right now, um, where our team, they're unquestionably, there are more team, more people on the team that are smarter than me than not. Like, they're just really, really wicked, good, very, very smart people. And like, because of that, we talk about our business running in dog years. And literally, we are an entirely new company every year. Like, it's, wow. it's black and white, radically different. And so for me, I, I, I hate to think old dog, new tricks, but how we communicate, what we communicate on the pace of learning is unbelievable. And that's definitely something that, that kind of keeps me awake at night, and which is really kind of different than what I think maybe a typical answer would be. Yeah, that is, that is different. We've asked this question a few times. That's good. Uh, what's the, what's the BHAG? What's your BHAG, your BHAG, big, hairy, audacious goal? Um, what is it for you guys right now? Well, you know, at, at the end of the day, we are adding software and coaching and community to our hardware play. And, you know, it, it is about taking it to, to those really big numbers, that really big spot where we impact. If we want to change the way the world sleeps, we need to meet people where they are all over the world, not just one AOV, not just one product, but we have to be able to, to get into their phones and into their lives to really impact that. And that's no small goal, um, but that's, that's what we want to achieve. Yeah. How do we become a billion dollar sleep business that really radically changes the way people sleep to value it and make it easy? Yeah. I love it. Uh, all right. If you could hop into, uh, into a DeLorean, you're going to get to go back to the future. Uh, you're going to drive by yourself. You're going to shout one thing from the driver's side window as you fly right by. Uh, what would you tell yourself and when would you go back to? 
You know, I, I have a really unique spot with that is I really feel like the past is an easy thing to want to go back and change and do. Um, and actually there's, there's some interesting books that have played that, that whole scenario forward. And then it turns out that you may or may not have made a different impact by changing it. But I really believe that, you know, and this is for me, part of being centered and being in the right place and doing your highest sense of right is, is to not have regrets and to say that the ups and downs and the hills that we climbed and the, and the valleys we got stuck in were important. And every single lesson we learned, if I had erased them, I wouldn't be in the same spot I am today. And so I don't want to take those away. I actually want to, I want to live them because I get to be where I am today because of the mistakes I made and the, and the things that happened. And so I, I, I wouldn't take anything away. I would say for me, I've struggled with my upper limit and being able to be confident, being successful. It's a lot easier being around the table, kind of, oh, yeah, I work hard on this. And oh, yeah, I've been working all the time, blah, blah, blah. But to take a step back and be kinder to myself and to to recognize that I'm uniquely gifted at certain things. and I need to be proud of those and not in a big ego way, but self-confident way. And I think that would be, you know, probably my reflection. Yeah. I think both of those, there's beauty in, in them because both of those, those are the messages you would say to yourself. You know, I wouldn't change anything necessarily, but I would have a message to bring myself. I like yours, Tara, of like, I wrote down, you know, do your highest sense of best. I'm like, that's, that's the message. Like, no regrets, keep living mm -hmm. uh, and do your best when you're, when you're there. Uh, that's beautiful, man. Thank you guys. Yeah. Thanks for having yeah, us. Thanks guys. Guys, this has been so fun. Your wisdom is incredible. We didn't even get into talking about how you lead yourself and your team, but it's evident. Uh, I think literally just from hearing your answers to the research you've put in and your personal life, the research you've put into your products, the principles and paradigms that you guys have used for navigating business, making decisions, uh, to me, told a lot just from that. The, the engagement, you know, there's a... Um, Matthew McConaughey was talking about this one time where he said, be less impressed, be more engaged. Mm -hmm. Right. And I, I see that from you guys where you're very engaged in your life. You're very engaged in your business, your growth. And the lessons coming out of this has been something we could geek out on for, for hours. So thank you for making time and your busy schedule to come yeah. on here. Thank you for sharing your heart and your wisdom with our audience. Pleasure, guys. Yeah, thanks for having yeah, us. Thank you. Founders, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and hop into our monthly founder email so we can ensure you stay on the edge of peak performance and massive business results.